0: What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA
1: Podcast Network. The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by sip Pop Writer and Managing Editor, Ben.
0: Hey, what's going on, guys?
1: We write for sip Pop, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. We were going to show for you this week. We're going to start off here in the pitch, which is now that's good. We're on schedule so far. As always, can't promise too much after that. Then we're going to move on to the, the uh, coming attraction, where we're going to give our thoughts on a sh- movie that's coming out soon. <clears throat> this week we'll be talking about Project Power coming out on netflix starring Jamie Foxx, joseph gordon levitt then we're going to move on to the b plot answering your question actually it's my question this week but well before we're going to do the b plot we're going to do the SIF topic which is we're talking about the dc ex- uh, extended universe uh we're going to be giving our thoughts on all those movies since this was the week that wonder woman 1984 was supposed to come out but that isn't happening of course and then after the b plot we're going to wrap up with a spinoff so a quick recommend or warrant free from each of us uh, but first let's get a chance to know our writer and managing editor this week. So, Ben, you've kind of mentioned you've been on the show before a couple of times. So we've already had that. How did you first get into movies and how did you get to writing for Civ Pop? But what I really want to know is you've talked a little bit about your podcast recently, the Ben Davis Movie Podcast. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that in depth? What exactly does your podcast look like?
0: Well, yeah, sure. Aside from being a, a show dedicated to being the most fun and engaging conversational podcast about movies you love. We also tackle a different topic each month. You know, that topic could be best Keanu Reeves movies. It could be movies that remind me of summer, or it could be best movies dealing with Christian faith. Once we pick those uh, topics, I select uh, favorite films from said topic. And with a host or with a guest, we dive deep on those films while also giving more of a retrospective look on them and how we feel felt when we first saw it compared to now. There's also a nice award section in, the, in each episode where we pick, you know, best scene and moment, worst scene and moment, best performance, and the does this make sense award, which is, you know, kind of a fun little thing to end the show on. At the end of the show, though, the guest and I will break down why at the end of the day that we would recommend this movie to a friend. It, you know, I love some of the movies that we've covered so much, and, you know, we've we've had a slew of wonderful guests, and speaking of guests, you'll be on in not too long.
1: Yeah, excited about that. Uh, really enjoyed listening to the show as much as I have so well, far. Thanks, um, I appreciate so, that. Of course. I always like hearing your thoughts on movies, especially there's something different about your show because it's very intentionally positive. And I think so So many of the times, even this show, it's it's just how did you feel about the movie? And it could be positive or negative. I just really like that about your, your show. It's just a very, very positive experience.
0: So. Yeah, I, I go by the mantra of I want to be known for what I love. I don't want to be known for what I hate.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I I think it's a really good philosophy. You know, if I'm known for one thing of my movie-watching and loving experience is that The Nice Guy is an underseen gem, and it deserves a sequel, and I'm not going to get off this horse, so...
0: Hey, man, I'll join you in that battle.
1: I don't know many people that wouldn't, actually. (laughs) Last week on our B-plot, I I figured this would be a good thing to do with uh, most of our writers at least once, but... I talked with Alex a little bit. This is a, a user-submitted question from Joseph. and He said, uh, what's the best movie ever? But really, what makes a movie, like, what makes that movie beyond excellent? What makes it the best movie ever? So I said uh, The Shawshank Redemption because primarily characters, but also it's just paced really well. The screenplay is really electric and kinetic. Um, it's it's really interesting. But primarily characters are what's going to do it for me every time, which is part of the reason why The Nice Guys is number eight all time for me. So uh, so what's your opinion? What What is the best movie ever and what makes it the best movie ever?
0: For me, uh, the greatest movie ever, it, it's a bit of a cheat in the fact that I count the Skywalker saga as one gigantic movie with nine chapters. So to me, the greatest movie ever made is Star Wars episodes one through nine. What makes a movie beyond excellent? Well, I, I can only speak for myself when I say this, but to me, what makes a movie beyond excellent is in the characters and the understanding of them. Listen, you could have the most chopped up and edited down movie imaginable. That's a hint for later. But if you can cast actors that have a deep understanding and appreciation of the characters and who they are, they can elevate bad material to something more and make a bad movie good. I also think that audiences, they return to movies that have stronger characters that they can relate to and see themselves in. Big and grand ideas are nothing if you can't relate to to, to the material, and you can start with relating uh, to the material with characters. So in short, you know, much like yourself, I believe characters are what makes a movie beyond excellent.
1: Sure, you're a little bit of an exercise buff. I mean, anybody that's been on your your Twitter page will see your. Profile picture. Pretty sure it's the same one on Instagram as well. But so I got so I got one kind of random question for you then, and I'm sure you probably get asked about exercise a lot, and specifically like what regimens you do and things like that, and how you stay fit. But uh, I gotta know, I'm 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 developing a little bit of a gut. What's the what's going to be the best way to get rid of that? It's diet. No, no, no! I need something different because I like my
0: <laughs> abs are built in the kitchen. It's it's <sighs> true. It's uh, it's an unfortunate thing. Well, I mean, it's not so unfortunate. But the best thing to do is to don't treat it as a job. Slow and steady wins the race. Don't do fad diets always. If you're trying to lose weight, caloric deficit is the best way to do it. And you don't have to go crazy low on your caloric intake or anything like that. Just slow and steady wins the race. And you can also have cheats every now and again. Just last night, I had pizza. You don't have to be so strict on yourself. Reward yourself. That's the, that's the key. Make it fun. If you're going to go on a diet, make it fun. Make it sustainable. And... Treat yourself, as
1: Parks and Rec would say. So, yeah, yeah. See, my problem, do, my problem is I treat light. myself and I don't do the other things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to the coming attraction. I'm going to be talking about Project Power this week. So we were supposed to talk about Wonder Woman 1984, but that was pushed back due to the coronavirus, as well as a lot of movies having so just a quick, a quick note about this. Again, you know, yeah. Look, until this all passes, until this blows away, and honestly, maybe not until 2021. Except you ignore ignore everything I said during the Tenant episode. We're gonna be if movies are only delayed a week or two. Uh, if I really think that they're gonna stick in that position, we might still talk about it. If there's some of the lower known movies, or if there's like some of the ones that don't need to gross however many billion dollars for Tenant to be financially successful. Um, if they don't need to do that, then you know we'll have to see. I want to. I also want to just encourage in general safety. And if we talk about Wonder Woman 1984, it's really us saying like we really want it now regardless of whether the the world is ready for it now and frankly we're not ready for it we, and frankly the way that americans have acted we, we just don't deserve movies yet with with all that in mind we're going to be sticking to some movies there's plenty coming out on vod there's plenty coming out on netflix and hbo max and even amazon prime has some stuff and so we're, we're just going to be sticking with some of that and so uh we found project power i honestly heard about this movie maybe a couple days ago because it kind of came out of nowhere and I don't know if this was supposed to get a theatrical release, or if there's always a Netflix original, but this is going to be a Netflix movie. It's coming out on August 14th, so that'll be this Friday, I believe. So just a couple days, it'll be in your next Netflix, Netflix feed. That starts Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And the synopsis here is, When a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage dealer and a local cop must team with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. So, Ben, you kind of saw a little bit about this movie. Uh, you you watched the trailer. You checked out some other stuff. What are your thoughts? If this was going to be a theatrical release, pandemics aside, when do you think that you would catch it? Opening weekend, not, uh, or op- let's say opening night instead of opening weekend. Opening night, uh, would you wait for a matinee? Would you just wait for this to be a rental? Catch it on a streaming service you already paid for? Or are you just not interested in seeing this movie?
0: I'd probably catch it on a matinee. It looks like Limitless, but with superpowers. It looks entertaining. I mean, I like Limitless. Uh, I, I love Jamie Foxx. I think he's a terrific actor. Oscar-winning actor, actually. That's right. And Joseph gordon It. This is the first movie he's done in, in quite some time. I feel like he kind of took a break. Uh, it's good to see him back in something. But the movie does look entertaining. It could kind of be like one of those movies like The Old Guard, where it's either going to be really good or entertaining, at least, or really bad. Old guard for me ended up being kind of bad, so <clears throat> I'm hoping this is more on the positive side. But I, I think I think it looks pretty good. Cast looks great. The concept is well. I wouldn't say it's really original. It's still a pretty cool concept. Sure. Yeah, it, lo- it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah. Speaking of your Joyce Gordon Levitt comment, yeah, this is the first big movie he's done with an actual role since Snowden. He's done some things since then, of course. Uh, a couple short movies, things like that. He had a cameos in both The Last Jedi and Knives Out, uh, but it looks like he's kind of making a, a bit of a, I mean, comeback is not the right word, because he never went anywhere, uh, but he's getting back in the game with Project Power, and later this year he's in the new Sorkin movie, The Trial of Chicago 7, that we'll be talking about, because that's a Netflix release in November, he's got a TV series that he's working on called Mr. Corman that I've never heard of, and he's also announced for a movie called Wingman and K-Troop i never heard of these, so I mean, like, he seems to be getting back, but he, he just had a run, I mean, pretty much from Inception, I guess maybe even G.I. Joe, because he had a, he was Cobra Commander, and then the next year was Inception, and then you have 50-50, the Dark Knight Rises, Premium Rush, Looper, Lincoln, Don John, he was the English version of the voice for The Wind Rises, uh, Sin City 2, The Interview, like, he just, The Walk, the night before it snowed and he had a, a huge run, maybe he just needed a break. Yeah, I mean,
0: that happens sometimes. I'm glad to see him back, though. Um, He's a terrific actor. He's in one of my favorite rom-coms, 500 Days of... It's not really a comedy. Well, it's more of a dramedy, um, 500 Days of Summer. Uh, Love that movie. It's good to see him back, though. And not Again, not that he really went anywhere. He just took a bit of a
1: break. Well, anyway, getting back to Project Power, I think uh, my excitement for this level is... If this were going to be theatrically released, I think I would probably go catch a matinee, but my excitement level for this movie is a rent, And I think I would catch the matinee only because I think this is a movie that would warrant a big screen experience. I mean, I talked about that with Shane when we talked about The Old Guard. I still haven't seen The Old Guard yet. I've, I've thought about it a couple times, but I, I think I would enjoy the experience more if I saw it on a big screen as opposed to my screen at home, which is relatively big, but there's just nothing like that theatrical experience, and there's nothing that envelops you quite that much. And so I kind of feel like the same here. Uh, I if, if it was released in theaters, I'd catch a matinee, but my anticipation level is going to be Rent. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with some of the things that I know we're going to talk about. First of all, uh, we talked about this movie seems kind of like X-Men meets Limitless, and I would also throw in Dread. I think that like if this movie just feels like if you put X-Men, Limitless, and Dread in a blender and you like put it on crunch for a little bit and you like poured it out onto a plate and you're like here you go this should be fun right like it looks kind of fun i'm interested in this movie but i also don't really like limitless that much and the x-men's are hit or miss and uh i'm a big fan of dread and i think i get more dread vibes than any of this the more that i think about it i mean the it's very similar concept to limitless or something like lucy even but and you you get the x-men things because it's like it's just it's it's a pill called power. I mean, it's got to be. it's just activates something in your genes, right? That's the way that that science has to work. I so, would imagine, so. you,
0: yeah.
1: Some mutations, but but yeah, just the overall feel, the tone, the look of this movie looks very much like Dread. But just the aesthetic, kind of the setting. I mean, we were talking about you have to take down the they're t- they're taking down the supplier. Uh, Dread is a pretty contained movie, yeah. Uh, but and this one does not look like it's going to be. Uh, let's talk about some other things about this movie. Uh, I I really don't have much negative to say about it, other than it just doesn't necessarily seem super original. But I mean, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx in here uh, as our stars. They're they're really great. You also have Courtney B. Vance in this movie.
0: MGK Machine Gun Kelly.
1: Yeah, Machine Gun Kelly. And you know, I don't I don't know that that excites me at all. But
0: um, <laughs> I'm a fan uh, of his music, so <laughs>
1: I I'm not so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the other the other notable actor in here is Rodrigo Santoro. I know you don't watch Westworld because I think we talked about that mm-hmm. the last time, uh, but he plays Hector on uh, on Westworld, which is a supporting role for sure. But I think he's he's great as Hector, and uh, and I really love him. So I'm really excited to see him. He plays the main villain, and I mean he's good at playing bad boys that you kind of like. So uh, I'm I'm interested for sure. The writers of this movie are unknown as well as the or the writer of this movie as well as the directors of this movie but i think both of these te- the the team of directors and the writer individually all have a, a lot of really positive futures ahead of them and primarily because the writer Mattinson Tomlin is on the screenplay team for The Batman which i know we're both really excited about of course and that's Pat- I mean, any chance to write with Matt Reeves right and then the directors Henry Juist and Ariel Schulman They are a directing combo, and they've done this movie, and they did the Paranormal Activity 3 and 4, which I've never seen. I don't plan on it. I don't know how fans of the Paranormal Activity franchise hold that movie in regard, but they are also uh, on this movie, and they're not directing the Batman, but they are directing Mega Man, which Mattinson Tomlin is also directing. Uh, writing, sorry, writing. So uh this team is gonna be doing Mega Man and frankly, like based off of this trailer, I'm super excited for this Mega Man movie now.
0: Yeah, I I'm not familiar with with, with, with Mega Man as much. Um I know it's a it's a game, but usually video game movies have a spotty track record. But yep. you know, comic book movies didn't always have the best track record, so who knows That's what true. could happen in the future.
1: That's true. Well hey, I don't have anything more to say about this movie. I feel like I've talked a lot. I just want to man, what do you what, what are your other thoughts?
0: Pretty much the same, it's pretty basic. I have only seen really the the, the trailer. Um Joseph Gordon it's good to see Joseph Gordon Levitt back in a in a lead role. Jamie Foxx is always awesome to see him on the screen. There's yep. just something about him as an actor that I just really gravitate towards. The concept, again, while it's not original, it's still a very cool concept. This could go either way. It could be really good and entertaining. I definitely don't think it's going to be an Oscar winner, but it could be very entertaining and and enjoyable. Or it could be very, very bad. (laughs) It's one of the two. I'm thinking it's going to be very, very good, though.
1: Yeah, you brought up two things that I want to mention. First of all, Joseph Gordon-Levitt returning. But this is not Joseph Gordon-Levitt like I think we've ever seen him. we've seen him be not super happy and peppy before. But this is a, a kind of gruff looking Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This, I mean, he's, he plays the cop in this movie. And so he looks a little bit gruff is probably the best word I could say. He looks a little bit like he's seen some stuff. And he's just kind of getting to that point where he's losing faith in the system. And it's just like this looks very different because normally he gets those roles that are suave. He looks really different. Uh, the other thing is, you said it probably won't win any Oscars. You know, maybe visual effects. I mean, the visual effects in the trailer looked look okay. And frankly, with the uh, with the lack of competition, I mean, who knows? We're going to talk about an Oscar winning movie later for visual effects. So <laughs>
0: I was about I was about to say <laughs> the Oscar winning Suicide Squad.
1: <laughs> That's right. If Suicide Squad can win yeah. an Oscar, then it shouldn't be that hard for anybody else to.
0: And I will add, so. uh, Suicide Squad won the Oscar for for makeup. Uh, not
1: for uh, visual effects oh makeup sorry my bad I frankly think I would have preferred visual effects over makeup <laughs> the makeup was pretty good in it though I will say <laughs> I don't agree with that we'll talk about it later <laughs> do you have anything more to say about Project Power before we move on to the DCEU or you just want to start talking about it
0: no I think I have spoken my piece with
1: that in mind let's move on to the the SIF topic where we talking about the DCEU now we're talking about the DCEU proper which means we're not going to be talking about Joker today which I know is a shame because that's Ben's favorite comic movie of all time I think no <laughs> okay it's close yeah. it's it's
0: in the conversation um okay
1: yeah I know you really love that movie I, I do so we're not gonna be talking about the Joker uh but we are gonna be talking about the other movies because Joker takes place kind of in an alternate timeline I'm gonna warn you for spoilers we're gonna not we're gonna not worry about dancing around it at all so same rules that we did with Austin two weeks ago is I have a timer I'm gonna set it we're gonna go in release order and we're gonna give a synopsis and a quick rating from each of us and we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna get six and a half minutes each or not each. Six and a half minutes on each movie. And as soon as the buzzer's off, we just gotta move on. So we gotta wrap up whatever thought we're thinking of and whatever we haven't said just needs to get left on the floor. We are gonna make an exception to one movie though, because I know we have very differing opinions, and I know it's probably the one that is the most divisive. So uh, we're going to each get six and a half minutes on that movie. And so this should also help to keep contain this episode with that with that being said how about we just go ahead and start talking about the actual DCEU which is uh, Man of Steel Ben what do you think about this movie like it love it here just it, like it, it's just okay
0: I love it uh <laughs> uh <laughs> it's a quick response very quick because to me Man of Steel is the quintessential Superman movie it's not the Christopher Reeve ones uh, I know a lot of people hold a fond place in their heart for that movie I'm not one of those people. I don't want to take that away from you, but it's just not how I look at that movie. Superman's my favorite superhero, though. But to me, it's a brilliant film that transcends the comic book genre about being an introspective character study about a man with great power trying to find his place in the world while simultaneously being a science fiction first contact story of how the world would really react if someone like Superman really existed. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm I'm blown away by the sheer brilliance of this film. It's visually stunning, action-packed, emotional, thought-provoking, and just, to me, it's flat-out inspiring. Again, what makes this movie so special is that at its heart, it's a movie about a man, again, trying to find his place in the world, and how one would wrestle with godlike power, and what to do with those powers, because how it would change the world and our way of thinking. If someone like this were to come around, uh, sure. it's a it's a superhero film with consequence. Also, Hans Zimmer's score. My God, it, it is so good. I that's like one of my go to scores to listen to while I work out, especially on deadlift days. again <laughs> um, yeah. though, Man of Steel, in my opinion, is the most underrated and underappreciated comic book film ever made
1: that's a that's a big take right there <laughs> i am gonna say that i love the first hour and a half of this movie i hate the last half hour of this movie for various reasons uh primarily i i think everything that you said is almost everything you said is, is right on the money uh, i think that the character that it's, it's really much a character piece I, I, the only thing that i'll things that i'll really disagree is i don't know that this movie is underrated i think it's probably rated about right for me it's Pretty close to to rotten on the Rotten Tomatoes meter, but it is still fresh, and I think kind of that's where I'm at. So I'm I do I like this movie overall, is going to be where I land. But um, but I love the first everything up until the final battle, the the Metropolis battle, the Hans Zimmer score you mentioned is terrific. Uh, it's it's not quite as iconic as the John Williams score from the original Superman movies, but it, there's it's still is something special and it's really different, and I really like that. Uh, and I'm kind of glad they chose not to reinvent that theme for this movie. I think this might be my favorite Superman movie. If it's not this, then it's definitely Superman 2, the Donner cut. I, I think there's something really good about that movie, but these are essentially the same movies. It's definitely the same story, at least. I, I've, I've not seen most Superman movies, but I'm just not a big fan of Superman. I, I like this movie. Uh, Those are this the things I'll say. Uh, Henry Cavill is good. Uh, the rest of the cast is really good. I don't think anything is any of the cast is particularly great about this movie. Uh, the one kind of exception to that is i think amy adams is perfectly cast as lois lane i just don't think that they're writing the character very well and it's really a shame because she's perfectly cast for that role it's just i don't think she gets to do what she can really do and she doesn't get to turn this role into something special because she's not really given that opportunity and i mean visually this movie is stellar the 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 problems i have is just the last hour or so the last 45 minutes is it, there's a lot of extreme close-ups this movie is the definition of fight scenes that you have no spatial awareness what's going on and I do have a problem with there is so much destruction but I like how they actually incorporate that into future movies about how uh, how that kind of turns Batman bitter and there are consequences to the actions. I just don't see the consequences in this movie itself which is fine uh, because this is ultimately a setting up a cinematic universe. This is very much an Iron Man to the Avengers. And uh, I appreciate that Zod's arc takes place in just this movie as opposed to spread out between one and two. I think that works a lot better than... It is really fresh to see Superman without Lex Luthor, so that's kind of really nice. But it, it, this movie also does a really good job. It's not trying to set up a cinematic universe. There's some cameos. You have the Wayne Tower and whatnot. But, or the Wayne Satellite, sorry. But it's, uh, it's not trying to to actively set up a cinematic universe and that's also why i think iron man works really well is because iron man was just trying to be iron man and if we get to avengers great and man of steel is kind of the same way but i do think that's probably because they were still trying to figure out what it was going to look like you know if they were going to connect it to the dark knight trilogy or not if they could so i don't know um that's just some of my thoughts but uh i'll let you talk about the movie a little bit more
0: yeah, man. Um, if I can just, you know, echo on, on top of what you're saying is in terms of like the cinematic universe, like this movie kind of sets up a cinematic universe, but like you said, it didn't really have to. I say yes in the sense that Superman, you know, deciding to come out of the shadows and especially with the events that transpire in this film and him deciding to be this the symbol of hope has inspired other people with great power for both good and bad. To, to come out of the shadows and that that age of heroes has kind of returned. Um, his actions, just like Pa Kent says in the movie, has has changed the world and has opened up a much larger one. Because Superman is the number one guy in terms of the DC hierarchy, it makes sense that they would want to start with him and, and open the door for a much larger world to, to be explored in the future. And in, again, I think it ties in beautifully with BVS and, and, and going more so on like the, the Amy Adams discussion. I, I kind of agree. I love Amy Adams and I love the casting. I think the way she is written though, is pretty awesome in the sense that she isn't afraid to take charge of any situation and comes across as like this very strong, no nonsense woman. She doesn't outside of like the initial meeting with Superman and investigating him do all. Well awful lot but i i still like the casting i still like the choice and if i if if i could just give a different perspective on like the 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 ending one thing about snyder is that he knows how to capture a, a beautiful shot that can hold several meanings with just one frame i think he's an incredible storyteller in the sense that he's an incredible vis- visual storyteller that really appeals to me and the final action scene we see just how much wreckage and damage would be done if if two people with godlike power to f- were to fight and the devastation it would cause and how fast they would move. And I think the camera doing zooms and close up really captures it pretty well. And you know, it's really the the promise of seeing Superman in full-blown action for the first time. You know, no offense to the the Reeves movie and Brian Singer Superman Returns. You know, I know those movies have their fans. They're just not for me. Also really enjoy or not enjoy, but I really love the circumstance in which Zod puts Kyle el at the end. You know, Zod is on a rampage and is getting stronger as the fight goes on. And he continues to learn his, his powers. Clark is clearly outmatched and he's just really a simple farm boy. That's just decided to be Superman 30 minutes ago. Cal doesn't act fast or do something to stop him. Zod will fulfill his promise of making the world suffer. You know, Zod, while his purpose was once for the salvation of his people, it is now the destruction of Earth and he will not stop. You know, the script puts Superman in a position at the end of this movie, you know, where he must either kill Zod, the last of his people, who has vowed to not stop and will destroy the world. There's really no one to stop him, you know or allow Zod to continue his vengeful rampage. And I think Zack Snyder brilliantly captures that by having Zod almost cut down a family that's really supposed to be us as the audience with, with laser vision. You know, he's cut, about to cut him down. And Superman makes the only decision he could in that scenario, and that's kill Zod. And the movie constantly putting the Man of Steel in these these hard places and it's not afraid to make him make these hard decisions. And so the ramification and the consequences for making those decisions, you know, I, I don't, I can't speak for everyone.
1: Well, I let you, I let you talk a little bit long on man of steel, because I know you have a lot to say about it. And I also have a feeling that we're not going to talk a lot about some of these movies. So now we're going to move on to Batman V Superman. Now, this is the movie that we are going to get some time each. we are going to be pretty strict on the timer for this one. But this is the movie that I think we got to talk about most because, well, you know, let's just dive into it. So I'm going to start first and then I'm going to let Ben talk since I know he's going to be the more positive light on this movie. I don't like this movie. Um, I used to be on the hate this movie category. And I think for the theatrical clip, I am on the hate this. But I watched the ultimate cut for this podcast and I'm on the don't like it spectrum now. So it's an improvement, but it's still not anything great to me. I saw this in the theaters. I thought it was the worst movie I've seen in a long time and then I didn't see it again until the ultimate cut and I don't think I would have ever seen the movie again had it not been for that. I don't see myself re-seeing this movie anymore even the ultimate cut. I got a lot of issues with this. There's no reason to see Thomas and Martha Wayne die yet again especially the same way we've seen on the big screen four times now as well as the countless times we've seen it in video games and animated series and things. It's just We get it. We know how Thomas and Martha Wayne died. It's completely unnecessary in this movie. We don't need to see that in the opening credits. That's annoying. But then the opening sequence after that is really cool. I like seeing Batman's perspective on the whole Metropolis, Superman, and Zod fight. I think it sets up really well for the conflict that Batman and Superman has. But that's really all I needed. And that's one of my biggest problems with this movie. I, I, I think that that's all the motivation that Bruce needs. I don't need to every other scene be reminded that Bruce has another reason to be unnecessarily hateful and spiteful of Superman. I mean, there's the the nightmare sequences, which are really helpful to get inside Bruce's head. And there's plenty of history in Batman. This is a really old, experienced, gruff Batman. There's enough here to understand that he should be fearful. This movie takes it up to 19 and really shoves it down your throat that Bruce Wayne should hate Superman. I don't think that that's... uh, that's really great, but then after all that build up, it's taken away so quickly and so stupidly with Martha. Of course, we got to talk about that because it's just the dumbest thing I've ever seen for a third act of a superhero movie, and especially it's so all the conflict is so instantly taken away. I just I just hate it. It feels like we're missing a bunch of Batman stories up to this moment, and why Bruce is so pessimistic. And as a comic fan, I get it. It's just a radically different Batman that we've ever seen, and it just—it doesn't pay off. It's so easily taken away, and it's, gosh, Wonder Woman's existence in this movie also is completely useless and detracts from the movie as a whole. This feels very obviously like a Justice League setup because that's the point—what it's supposed to be. But it really detracts away from the Batman v Superman, which this movie is supposed to be. The Flash cameo is kind of really confusing, and I hated it. So. Um, I, I think they're trying to set a flashpoint with that, but it's it, dumb, and I don't like it at all. <laughs> um, all of the Senator stuff, I think, is really forced. Again, it's just hitting me over the head, uh, again, with the world should not like Superman. I don't understand Lex Luthor's motivations. I like the cast of Lex Luthor as well. I think Jesse Eisenberg was an interesting cast. I don't like his performance, though. I don't like the way he's written either. They're kind of trying to go for a mentally insane issue, uh, issue, but not really explicitly, because i mean, sure he gets put into arkham at the end but it's not necessarily because they think he i mean he's criminally insane for sure but they're kind of trying to play it like maybe he has a disorder but it's not explicit i don't, I don't know it just it didn't really work for me and uh he this this cast he feels more like the joker than he does lex luther and that's a problem uh, he doesn't i don't believe the super intelligence of jesse Eisenberg's lex luther uh, and then a big problem I have with this movie is the argument that God cannot be all powerful and all good is really only the start of an illogical thought. And I mean, you guys know I'm a minister for a living for my day job. So I'm going to try not to get super preachy on you guys, but I, if this is not a valid argument, this is a completely illogical argument that only runs you in circles. And there's a lot of presuppositions you have to have about God in order for and about your relationship with God in order for that to be true. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I read a whole, I wrote a whole defense of that, but Like I said, I don't want to be preachy and hit you guys over the head. Maybe I'll do a bonus podcast if you guys really want to hear it. Um, Both Amy Adams and Lois Lane are completely wasted in this movie. I talked about how I like Amy Adams as Lois Lane, but she's given nothing to do. I hate her arc. I think anytime she's on the screen, it's just obnoxious and most boring part of the movie. And this movie is trying so hard to be the Avengers. They they even have nearly the exact same conversation uh, at the very end whereas where in the avengers they say why do you think they'll come back and nick fury says because we'll need them to and at the superman's funeral uh batman says uh just a feeling we'll need them like it's it's nearly the exact same movie except the avengers is a good movie and this one's just not but a couple of good things i have uh, i do like batfleck i think ben affleck's a good cast uh, i like a lot. the cinematography for this movie is good this is a, a really good looking movie The fight scenes are really well shot. Zack Snyder kind of finally figured it out here, especially the warehouse Batman scene. I love that. There is a good movie somewhere here. It's just not the final product. And I got 30 seconds to spare, but I I think I've kind of given my thoughts. I'm going to turn it over to you, Ben. Boy, there's
0: a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. So in short, my overall thoughts on this movie, Batman v Superman, the theatrical cut is a really good film that's held back by editing and pacing issues. So if people don't like that movie, I completely understand it. Um, However, with Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition, I think is a masterpiece of filmmaking, weaving rich and timely themes while also being an incredibly mythic and absolutely epic in every sense of the word. I believe Batman v. Superman to be a triumph in direction, writing, and acting. It perfectly blends the world of Metropolis and Gotham together by brilliantly weaving these incredibly rich, classic characters together and setting up a much larger world. It's deep, it's introspective, and treats each character as a multi-layered people that, despite godlike power, are very much humans with their own feelings. One of my favorite things about the film is how it continues to address the same issues of Man of Steel and isn't afraid to give real answers to those questions by treating them as very real issues, just like Man of Steel, with consequence that mirror our very own world. Uh, to me, I think BBS will age in the comic book genre the same way that Shining aged in the horror genre and Blade Runner Rage uh, aged in the science fiction genre. To kind of address some of the some of the things, again, there's a lot to unpack that you you said very well. I'll say this. So in 2017, there was another very uh, divisive film that came out. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it was called The Last Jedi. (laughs) We're both very big fans of that movie. Um, Yeah. In that movie, the main villain, a misguided villain, but a villain nonetheless, his mantra is let the past die. And a lot of people confuse that with the main theme of the movie, which is the main theme of the movie is failure. This, of course, is is a misunderstanding of the film as the main message of the film is learning from your past, accepting it, and by doing so, paving uh, a way for a better tomorrow. Luke Skywalker's act at the end of that movie proves Kylo wrong and in turn proves his mantra to be wrong. I, I, I say all that to say Lex Luthor saying if God is all good, then he cannot be all powerful. And if God is all powerful, then he cannot be all good is... From the villain's perspective, and as an audience, we shouldn't view that as the the message of the film or really to be true. Sure, um, sure. In fact, much like The Last Jedi, Lex is, is proven to be wrong at the end of this film when Superman proves to be all-powerful and all-good by sacrificing himself for his world in Lois and for the world that is very much split on him and his existence, which is our world. His sacrifice is what saves the soul of Bruce Wayne, which is really what the film is about kind of as a whole. You know, going back to the opening, I will disagree. I think the death of the Waynes is 100% necessary because it does show the traumatic experience that brings up the whole Martha scene. You see, like, I believe that scene often gets overlooked by a misunderstanding of that scene. In that scene, not only do we see young Bruce Wayne reimagining that scene in his head while running away, but we get a great poem at the beginning of the film letting us know where exactly Bruce Wayne is in his headspace. That is, there was a time above, time before, there were perfect things, diamond absolute, but things fall, things on earth. And what is fall? Uh, what what falls is fallen this lets us know that batman sees himself at the point of no return and is on the verge of villainy you know batman much like other people has experienced trauma and when people experience trauma they often suffer from ptsd and one of the things that set people off when they have ptsd is like sounds noises or words from that experience the last words of his dying father to his dead mother at this point was Martha. Superman saying that to him was a trigger word to Batman. And that makes him have an episode. But by doing so, he sees that he is no better than the man who is standing over him in this prone, no better than the person that was standing over his father with that, in that prone position with the gun. And he was incredibly close to becoming that person that he, that very thing he swore to destroy. And it's because of this scene and because of Superman's sacrifice, that he has saved the soul of Batman, Bruce Wayne, and given faith to the faithless and Wonder Woman. And has inspired him and her to become the hero they were once. And we understand this by the exchange at the end between him and Wonder Woman of the film, where she goes, you know, a hundred years ago, I walked away from mankind from a century of horrors. Man made this world where staying together is impossible. And boy, does that not hit home for today. You know, and mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne says back, men are still good. We fight, we kill, we betray one another, but we can rebuild, we can do better, we will because we have to. And you know, I'm I grew up in the church and I'm you know I'm very Christian in my faith. I don't know if I've been um open with that on this podcast, but if you want to come at this from a biblical point of view, Superman is almost like Jesus in this in this movie. Jesus No, it's not almost. Either. He pretty much is. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross for my sin so that I could have eternal life. In this film, Superman sacrifices himself for humanity and in doing so, again, restores a faith to, to the faithless and brings this Saul-like figure in Bruce Wayne to become more of like Paul when Saul, you know, used to be a persecutor of Christians, ends up becoming Paul and writes half the New Testament. And that's kind of what his... His spiel is at the end, and Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, Lex Luthor is the perfect modern-day villain. He's he's cunning. He's the smartest person in the room. I, I love his awkward tics and mannerisms and his manipulative tone. Not to mention, I, I really like the theme because it's the reverse of the Superman theme. If you play it on the key backwards, it's pretty cool. Going to, to, to Lois Lane, I love the reporting and, and investigative angle from this film. Not only do we get to see Clark Clint doing some investigating in the ultimate cut, we also see Batman show off his investigative skills, which is often forgotten in the theatrical adaptations of Batman. And the Africa subplot actually gives Lois Lane a, a pretty good storyline throughout the film, to show her investigative chops. And you really see that in the ultimate edition. I um also love how they explore how the world would treat someone like Superman and how he would be a very divisive figure amongst people who would want to control him or fear him or worship him as this God, you know, and I think that it's perfectly illustrated in the must there be a Superman sequence where Neil deGrasse Tyson has a cameo. Um, This to me not only works on the level of Lex Luthor manipulating the system and public for his personal gain but it also works on a character level for Superman. We see him struggling with this decision of coming out as Superman to be the symbol of hope. And now that he's being, you know, lauded as this murderer, we see that his greatest fears are being realized. And in a, in a, in a side note on that scene, I love that after that scene, he calls his mom. I've been there. When I get really down, just call my mom just to, just to hear her voice. You know, just I feel like that was very relatable.
1: Yeah. Well, I okay. got well, to cut you yeah. off here, which is like, like, I love your passion for the movie. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure, I, I think you did a BVS uh, episode on Ben Davis movie podcast. I did. Yeah. Cool. So conversation could definitely continue over there. Uh, but for the sake of not making this podcast four and a half hours long, we got to move on, but uh, and I love your passion for the movie. I wish I had it. Like I said, I think there's a good movie in here somewhere, but to me, it's just not a, you know, I, I love your perspective. Maybe, maybe I will give this another watch kind of with that in mind, but. Uh, We're going to move on to Suicide Squad, but with your permission, I would like to either add some time to this, or uh, if you just kind of give me the opportunity to rant a little bit more, because I have a lot more notes than I thought I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what, bud? Because you let me, like, rant, go for it.
1: (laughs) All right, here we go. I think this movie's okay. I saw this in theaters. I thought it was decent, like, maybe a 7 out of 10. I haven't seen it because I've been so afraid since this movie gets trashed on. Probably a little bit too much, in my opinion. I like the aesthetic of this movie. I like the grim neon that this is going for. I think it fits this thematically very well. And I think that there's some really interesting visual things that are going on. Enchantress' first transformation that we see is really good with the hand coming up uh, from June and then kind of flipping over. I think that's a really... Really good visual. Um, It's it's also just really well done. I love the casting of Jared Leto, but the performance, the costume design, and the dialogue for him are all terrible for me. I really love the fame theory that this is actually Jason Todd, and this is Joker after he killed Jason Todd goes to Lazarus Pit. But instead of coming out as the Red Hood, he comes out as a second Joker, essentially. But that's been debunked by David Ayer and Zack Snyder himself. And that is just a shame because that would have been so much better... All the fan theories about the DCEU were so much better than the actual movies that we get, but also Enchantress's origin is just dumb, because June is this archaeologist that walks into this place and randomly breaks a thing open. It's like, archaeologists would not break anything, let alone touch something without proper equipment. I mean, it's just, it's the most illogical thing I've ever seen. Also, Amanda Waller putting Rick Flagg and Enchantress together romantically is just dumb and irresponsible. Like, I get that she needs, she wants that leverage, but holy cow, that is the most irresponsible thing I've ever seen out of this movie franchise. Killer uh, Killer Croc's, Killer Croc's asset, accent is just atrocious. He The actor portraying him just has a really, really bad, almost offensive accent. And his appearance is bad. I, like I said, I like the visuals of this movie, but I hate, I hate his his appearance. Also, his head is super disproportionate for the rest of his body. And that's, oh, it, it gives me the cringes every time. Now, the comedy in this movie just doesn't land. It's really all unoriginal. It's the same jokes over and over again. It's the, hey, if I die, tell my mom I love her, and also delete my internet browser history. And it's like, ah, uh, Like, it's not funny anymore. I, I mean, I like the unicorn with uh, Captain Boomerang. I think that that's kind of fun for me. But th- that's about it. Margot Robbie and Will Smith are two highlights of this movie. I'm really glad that we get more Margot Robbie, and I really hope to get more Will Smith. He's not going to be in the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie, uh, but he is... Hoping to do Deadshot again. I, I hope to see that. Uh, I really like those two. The rest of them, I could take or leave. It's most of them, I could leave. But especially Cara, De, uh, Cara Delevingne. She, I'll get to her a little bit later. Um, Harley Quinn's costume really bothered me this time. Because the way that it is. And the way that it's shot is very icky. It's it's that classic example of a male gaze. It's it's overly sexualized. Taking away her, her traditional costume. To give her shorts that barely cover half of her butt and a you know a baseball tee that says daddy's little monster written on it and kind of the way that they kind of doll her quote unquote doll her up it's it it just feels icky and i couldn't not say that i love how they show the toxicity of joker and harley quinn's relationship because it is a very toxic relationship i was afraid that they were going to be like they were this perfect tortured couple the, the perfect kind of demented couple but no no joker is always awful to harley quinn i really like that so i do have some positive spot in the movie uh there is absolutely zero reason why deadshot would intentionally miss shooting harley quinn as she's dangling from the helicopter we've not given any we've not been getting given any character development between the two of them to make that drastic of a decision also obviously they weren't going to kill the joker that quick to introducing him to this universe it's dumb that they even tried to make us think that for a couple seconds uh, here we get to Cara Delevingne. Entranches's plan is, is either completely stock bad guy or it isn't explained enough. Either way, it has no motivation. And I just don't like Cara Delevingne's ro- role, nor do I like the way that she is written and directed. Also very sexualized. Also, just, like, there's this one moment where she's, like, in this aura and she's, like, waving back and forth. And it's just, like, it's so distracting. And it's it's just awful. It really takes me out of the movie. I like her- Cara Delevingne in general. I just... I don't. I like her as June. I don't like her as enchantress at all. Movie wants to keep Diablo's backstory a secret when it's incredibly obvious from the very beginning. But I do like his reluctance uh, to use his power because of the consequences. He's the most interesting character in this movie, or at least the character I most want to root for. So I was I was actually reading Aaron Dicer's review or watching his review on YouTube about this, and he mentions there's no guy to root for. I think Diablo is that guy to root for because he understands the consequences of his action. He doesn't want to be a part of this. Suicide Squad. Uh, anyway, I'm a, I'm almost done. I promise. There is no reason for the fallout uh, to happen except to have a fallout for conflict. I would have given this movie a 10 out of 10 if, when Rick Flag smashed the control of the explosives in this bar, everyone just died. Like, because there's a moment where he takes the iPad and just smashes it. I'd have given this movie a 10 out of 10 if everybody just died at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so many of these characters are completely useless for the final fight. I mean, I, I laughed out loud because Harley Quinn has a baseball bat trying to fight the enchantress's brother and it's just like what are you gonna do <laughs> it makes it really boring it makes it really frustrating and makes it completely unbelievable also i really wish that june would have stayed dead but no you can't do that um like I, when when enchantress is killed by the heart apparently june still survives and it's just like what you killed Dia- you killed diablo like <laughs> uh, and lastly amanda waller is the most intimidating character but she's the stupidest character in this movie uh, she's a great character in the comics, and she's really good in the Arrowverse, but I cannot stand her in this movie.
0: How dare you? I love Viola. That
1: being said, I think Viola Davis is a great actress. Just the way this character is written, she's just dumb and irresponsible. Okay, I'm done with my rant. I think I agree with you. This movie is a mess, but I kind of like watching it. It's it's a good background movie that you can just turn in during some of the fight scenes and turn off. It's Yeah some mess though.
0: I will I will echo some of the the same things you were saying. Remember when I said earlier that good characters can save a bad movie? This is one of those cases. Look, this movie is is horribly edited mess. It's yep. a mess, like yep. for some reason I really enjoy watching it. The whole cast of this movie is firing on all cylinders. Margot Robbie is outstanding as Harley Quinn. Will Smith steals the show as Deadshot. Please come back because Will Smith was like one of my favorite childhood actors. I love that guy, even if the movie is not good. Uh jai courtney is hilarious as boomerang he's coming back for the sequel i'm super happy yep. about that i think viola davis is terrific as amanda waller i i think that that's perfect casting again I though some of the the story issues aside with that character uh i love jay hernandez as diablo again you, he's the person that you root for he's the person that actually shows that there is consequence this movie doesn't have what man is still in BVS did in the sense that there's really no consequences because like you said, Enchantress comes back at the end. But I do in fact, like the most comic book accurate looking Joker we've gotten aside from the tattoos. He looks just like the Alex Ross paintings, Um, paintings, but um, drawings in the comic book.
1: Aside from the tattoos. Yes.
0: Aside from the tattoo and the grill in the grill, which is more of a, Aesthetic choice by uh, David Ayer, who loves to to incorporate that kind of aesthetic in his movies. I don't mind the grill. I, I, I will take the tattoos over the grill, but the grill is kind of just – the backstory for it is cool, but in practice it doesn't necessarily work for me. But again, I still like Jared Leto's performance as the Joker – but it's you know, that being said, the movie is, is is a is a narrative mess and it suffered from the studio mandated edits and it's really unfortunate because this film could have been, you know, a bigger hit than it was. This movie was a big hit, despite the fact yeah. that it was panned by critics and fans. There's not many people that are fans of this movie. Um but if I could go again back to Jerry Latter's Joker, most people don't like that crown prince of crime version of the Joker, and that's fair. But what Jerry Leto gave us, I I really dug it. He's scary looking. He's manipulative. Like you were saying, I I love the toxic, codependent almost relationship that Joker and Harley have. In fact, it's my favorite part of the movie. I just wish we had gotten a larger sample size of his Joker to judge. Because when he's on screen, he's often from another character's point of view. And you can tell out of all the characters, this is the one that suffered most from the editing that went down. David Ayers has, has kind of said that. Um,
1: let me let me ask you uh, two questions, and maybe that'll be a good transition. Number one, uh, I, I don't think you ever said, do you like this movie? Love it? Hate it? Just it's just okay.
0: It's just okay. It's a good movie right. to turn on in the background and and watch. And it's it's not awful. I enjoy. I really enjoy watching it, but it, it it's it's a mess.
1: Yeah, this is like I said. I'm I'm on the just okay as well because this is a very watchable bad movie. Yep. Um, especially, like I said, especially if you turn it on the background, you don't have to worry about all the things that are dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, the other, the other thing that I think maybe this will work as a good transition into the the future stuff. Do you think we're ever gonna get the air cut?
0: You know, there was a time where I would say no. Now I am leaning toward I'm not sure. You know,
1: maybe. I think I'm seventy five percent we're not gonna get it, and I think it's partly because. I think David Ayer isn't interested in it. I think he's interested in telling other stories at this point as opposed to rehashing it. I think he wants to show people what his original vision was, but I don't think he wants to work with WB again. Well, he after... he played
0: ball with them. You know, yeah. He did the marketing. He took credit for the film. He has been largely supportive of WB and what they do. But um, you can tell in his tweets that I think he wants people to see it because this is a constant I movie think, that gets thrown in his face, you know. I think I mean? he
1: wants to see it, but I don't think he wants to be the main person. No, um, I think he wants to maybe like oversee. Um, I don't. we we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. Uh, or maybe like if you know, a couple years down the line. But I, I, the other reason why I really don't think we're going to get this is because James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is supposed to come out pretty soon. And I just think that Warner Brothers is more interested in telling that than retelling this one. I mean, Justice League Part 2 or Justice League 2 or whatever is not on the release schedule anywhere. There's no plans for it to come out anytime soon. And so it's okay for them to do the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. But because the Suicide Squad is coming out next summer, they're more interested in that. And they're like, well... Once James Gunn comes out with his Suicide Squad, people will stop clamoring for the air cut. Yeah. Quite,
0: quite frankly, frankly, I'm more interested in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I, I do, I would like to see James, David Ayer's original vision. I would love to see Jared Leto's Joker done justice because Jared Leto is my favorite actor. He's my favorite musician too. I would love to, to to see that get its justice, but Guardians of the Galaxy is a top five
1: comic book movie for me. So sure. I'm way more interested. in. Well, and is there... Is is Jared Leto's Joker supposed to be coming back at all? Suicide Squad, two mm. or I doubt it. I doubt okay. it. he's. I doubt it too. But I I hope. Yeah, I hope he is. Yeah, I do too. And I I I think also at this point it just becomes problematic with uh, releasing David Ayer's cut for reasons that we'll talk about when we get to Justice League, but. Let's move on to Wonder Woman for a second. So i got to start the timer now. We're going to go back to the timer. Uh, (laughs) But I don't think we'll have much to say on the rest of these. At least I don't. So uh, Wonder Woman is your Wonder Woman origin story story when a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world. Diana, an Amazonian warrior warrior in trading, leaves home to fight a war, discovering her full powers and true identity. Ben, do you like this movie? Love it. Hate it. it. It's just okay.
0: I I will say I'm in the love it category or like it category. Um, I mean that No Man's Land sequence is worth buying the Blu-ray alone. Um, or the 4K. Um, yep, this I agree. This was really the first standalone female-driven superhero film that was actually worth a damn and proved to all studios around that women can lead superhero franchises and that they can be enjoyed by everyone. This was sure. an important movie to be made, and I'm glad Patty Jenkins is the one who made it. And this was her first major studio film, which is ridiculous. But this movie does fall into more of the familiar stuff with the genre towards the end but it doesn't really take away the impact this film had um i believe gal gadot was born to play wonder woman and she embodies everything great about the role similarly to how chris evans embodies everything great about captain america speaking of gal chris pine is amazing as steve trevor and the chemistry him and gal gadot have is electric in short even though the end of the film delves a little bit more heavy into the familiar. It doesn't take away the fact that this film is a bona fide hit mm-hmm. or just how important this film was to women all across the globe. Yep. And I, I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this movie.
1: I, I saw Justice League in theaters. I think I waited till after Justice League came out to watch this movie because I was so burned by Batman versus Superman, and people have been telling me that Wonder Woman was a good movie. Uh, like a, a really good movie, but I just I couldn't get I couldn't get the motivation to do it because Batman v Superman was so bad and the theatrical cut was so bad and the Suicide Squad was underwhelming. So I so I waited until I saw it at home. I I kind of regret that. I would I really wish that I would have uh, seen this movie a little earlier. Uh, I'm in the liked it camp because the No Man Land sequence is great. Uh, pretty much any everything after the Actual World War Two stuff, like the last forty-five minutes of this movie, I don't like at all. It goes back into the original. It's not surprising. There's nothing good about this movie uh, in the last forty-five minutes. So I'm in the like that camp. It's kind of the same thing for Man of Steel. Um, love this movie for the first two thirds. Hate the last third. Gal Gadot is terrific. You're right. She's born to play Wonder Woman. She's she's amazing. Patty Jenkins is excellent. I am really interested. You mentioned she didn't have any studio roles after Monster. She was supposed to direct Thor: The Dark World. Yep but left because of studio interference. And man, I want to see that Patty Jenkins Thor The Dark World. Sounds really good. And so you can use some more female women and they're you know, working on it. So The Amazonian stuff is awesome. It's really interesting to see fleshed out in, uh, in comic book movies. It really felt fresh too. Um, didn't feel overplayed. And maybe it's because Wonder Woman has never had a big screen solo movie. And I really appreciate how this movie didn't try to tie into the larger DCEU, uh, partly because it's a prequel, but partly because it's just not trying to set up anything. It's just trying to tell the story of wonder woman's origins and how she winds up just being in our society you it, get the note from bruce wayne at the beginning and the end and that's really it yeah it's um i'm really excited for the wonder woman 1984 i know we're not talking about this i'm really excited i, I think kristen wig is cheetah is just gonna kill it so oh,
0: dude, i think that's perfect casting pedro pascal yeah yeah that's that's gonna
1: be uh, i don't have anything else to say Um uh, I think I've seen it the once, so I haven't seen it in a while. It is
0: very rewatchable. I've seen it quite a few times after um, in theaters. I saw it twice in theaters. Saw it with my my guy buddies, and then saw it with uh, my wife. I think this was the first movie we saw after we got married.
1: I realized watching movies for this podcast, I had only seen each of the DCEU movies once, except for Man of Steel, <laughs> and the only ones I watched were Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut suicide squad and justice league well hey maybe that's a good transition we got it. we're almost done with the timer anyway so maybe that's a good transition let's just start, start talking about justice league then all right you seem to not like this movie Do you like it love it, hate it it's like, just like it it's just okay
0: my feelings are conflicted i'm like anakin skywalker and star wars episode three uh, <laughs> <laughs> where to begin with this movie I, I i enjoy it but to me it felt like the sparks notes version of what we should have gotten and what we were promised with bbs i yep. felt robbed Honestly, mm-hmm. like I still enjoy it, but I felt robbed. Like to me, and again, I'm not comparing movie studios at all. I'm just saying my I have similar feelings to this movie with Avengers. To me, this movie has aged the same way the first Avengers movie did. I loved it the first time I saw it in theaters. I love the character interactions and it had me super excited for the future. But the more as time goes on, the more and more I watch it, the less and less I enjoy it.
1: And I... I disagree with you on that with the uh, justice league. No, I agree with that on justice league. I don't have the same experience with Avengers. Oh, well I don't, I don't think I'm as blown away as I am because we've had larger scale you know, infinity war since then. Yeah. But I still think there's something really magical about it. And it's because the characters are so fun and you can see just how well they set up for the future. I mean, you can see conflict starting with Cap and Tony yeah. uh, for setting up for civil war. And you can see, just the the interior conflict with Black Widow, and you can see I mean Mark Ruffalo's hope for the first time. It's just you could you could see all that. Avengers is so rewatchable because the characters are so lovable. Justice League is not rewatchable because the characters might be lovable, but not in this movie.
0: We'll see. Like I'll I'll go back to that. Like so f- for me, the first Avengers it's similar to this. I I love the inter- interactions. I love the last half but I don't ever want to go back to watch the first Avengers movie because it pales in comparison to what we get after. And it's really, the movie is all set up to the last 30 minutes. And that's kind of how I feel with this movie. It's fun. Witty banter. It's very Joss Whedon. It's fun character interplay. Story is just okay. Villain is kind of weak, but the characters are why you come back to the movie and that's kind of how I feel with Justice League. I, I don't find the story compelling I, I, for either. I just I, – I get that it sets up the future with the with Avengers. But again, not to compare the two. It's just that I had very similar feelings with them.
1: Uh, this movie feels like a rushed first draft from Joss Whedon. It does. It's a train wreck behind the scenes, and it shows. And I think Zack Ma- Snyder made absolutely the right decision choosing to step away from the movie to spend time with his family. He did. No disrespect there at all. I think I think that's brilliant. And no disrespect for Joss Whedon for choosing to, to help him out. But this movie should have been delayed. Either to whenever Zack Snyder felt he could do it, or give somebody proper time. They did not push back the release date at all, and Joss Whedon had to make all of the the reshoots and post production changes. All that it's just like this this movie feels like they said, "Hey, Joss, we we, we want you to come help and reduce, reuse, cycle. And it, it, it's it's a very basic plot. Some some of the CG is pretty laughable. Oh God, mustache that- Henry. Oh all, no. Gosh, this this movie really wants to be the Avengers so badly. There's even an exact same shot uh, from the Avengers. It's where they're fighting Steppenwolf in the uh, the nuclear reaction chamber. That uh, again, where it's almost like a one shot, and you can individually see all the characters. It's kind of like passing the perspectives of the characters. It's the exact shot they had of the Battle of New York in Avengers, where you see Hulk, you know, smashing some people together, and all of a sudden it moves to Hawkeye, and it follows his arrow over to Iron Man, and you see him fly towards. Captain. It's like it's the exact same shot, and of course, it's because it's Joss Whedon but this oh this movie feels like a mess. The, the the humor doesn't la- land for me at all the, i i think ezra miller is the funniest part of this movie and most of his stuff doesn't land for me the time where he like zooms around the Batcave cave and just kind of sits in the in the in the the batmobile and just kind of has that little geeky smile on him makes me laugh and and when he's pushing the truck and he feels really good about it and superman comes by with the apartment buildings that's the only two times <laughs> that i laughed in this movie i i like it um I like those moments. The comedy ultimately though falls flat. And while I'm speaking of Ezra Miller, I like him in theory. Um, I want to like him. But I just don't. And I think, I think it's complete bias because I love Grant Gustin so much as the Flash in the TV series. I think Grant Gustin's perfect because he he he's a very lovable Flash, but he also feels, growing up, he feels like a developed character. This Ezra Miller Fla- Flash does not. So I don't know. It's probably biased, but I 100% grant Grant Gustin all the way. Cyborg's first live action appearance is so lackluster and bland. Um, and I like Ray Fisher. Uh, I, this is really the only thing he's done. I, I think he's a good cast for this. Just, uh, and, and maybe it's because I'm such a fan of the animated show. And I would rather have Martian Manhunter in there instead of Cyborg. But I get that Cyborg is an easier character to pull off. These characters also just don't grow. And that's a real big, a real big con for this movie. Because in Avengers, every single character grows in a new way. In every single, uh, almost every single movie, characters grow and develop not
0: in this one yeah the, I, I will I, I will say something to the Josh whedon coming in to help snyder if you read some of the behind not to get too much into it i don't think he was trying to help the guy in any way but this movie feels like a studio mandated mess it's disappointing to watch considering how strongly my feelings are for man of steel and batman v yep. superman to go to both of those and then to watch this movie. And I'm like, the first time I see it in theaters, I'm like, oh my God, there were so many moments in there where the characters were awesome and great. And yeah. then the more I watch, and I'm like, oh boy, this is, this is, I'm starting to, to notice all the issues that people have with it. Again, I still enjoy it, but it feels like Avengers 2.0. And I feel very similar.
1: No, this feels like Avengers 0.01. Not 2.0. 2.0 imp- 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 implies that there's improvement. <laughs> well, it, it
0: implies that it's it's – they're the same movie, and I feel the exact True. same way about it.
1: That's that's a difference in opinion. That's why I love talking comic yeah. books. <laughs> I, have, I have one super quick note and one question for yes. you before we move on. The score is incredibly forgettable, which is such a shame because up until this point, uh, the Batman v Superman score is also really good. Man of Steel we've talked about is great. Wonder Woman score is phenomenal this one is so forgettable. There's no good moments in it. It's the lack of Han Zimmer. I do really like the cover of Come Together on the soundtrack though, that Junkie XL had part of. It was great. I like that. That's a but that's in the credits. And what, what a better song for uh, you know, assembling the dream team than that. The other thing that I wanted to ask, uh, how do you think moving forward the Snyder cut is gonna affect continuity? Do you think it's going to be alternate timeline? Or do you think it's or they're gonna try to replace it to be the Snyder Cut is the definitive version, or do you think they're just gonna be like, this in no way affects continuity. Uh, whatever. I, I don't think I will ever watch this theatrical cut again, and we will just have to see on the Snyder Cut whether or not I'll want to watch that anymore.
0: Well, if you're going to go by what Snyder said, this Justice League that we got, whether you like it, dislike it, wherever you fall on it, it is the continuity version. Okay. The Justice League that he's doing, because it's a completely different movie, Like they reshot 80% of Justice League, it's going to be a completely different movie.
1: So, just alternate timeline.
0: It's going to be an alternate timeline. He referred to it as, and this as a comic book fan. Uh, this has me excited. An Elseworld. Type so, and this thing. is
1: Zack Snyder's mouth, not your theory.
0: Yeah, this is what Zack Snyder said.
1: Yeah. So, like an Earth Two. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I'm I'm here for that. Yeah. I don't think I ever said specifically I I don't like this movie. I'm I don't hate it. I don't like it though. It's 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 less than okay.
0: This movie hurts me. Yep.
1: All right, let's move on to Aquaman. I think this movie's okay. What do you think?
0: Uh, like, this movie reminds me of like it, like riding a roller coaster. This brings back a 12-year-old me every time I watch it. Um, I grew up, I I loved Aquaman, but mm-hmm. I never told anybody <laughs> because <laughs> – I was always – he's like, people make fun of him. The Family Guy stuff is really funny. The Oh, the Robot um, Chicken
1: stuff is amazing, especially in their the DC comic specials.
0: Stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. The Robot Chicken stuff is fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. the Entourage, the Entourage stuff, mm. unforgettable. But I love Aquaman, and especially the New 52 gr- comic run. And really, when you boil it down, Aquaman is really – an ode to swashbuckling adventure films. It's like if you were to mix Pirates of the Caribbean with Raiders of the Lost Ark, Romancing the Stone, Conan the Barbarian, National Treasure with the visual eye candy of like Tron legacy and Avatar into one epic movie. Like I adore this movie. It's goofy. It's fun. It's cheesy over the top and has breathtaking visual effects and action. And Is really just a good old fashioned fun time at the movies. But what makes this movie special to me is that it's message of diversity being a superpower Mm -hmm. and how conversation can lead to a better understanding of each other, individual needs and to find common ground. And Aquaman is able to do this without the over-reliance of, you know, being heavy handed and still just being a really awesome movie as someone who loves this character I never thought in a million years I would be able to see this movie on the big screen done in such a unashamed way. Right.
1: And Well, and James who would have thought 15 years ago that anybody would want to see an Aquaman movie? Right.
0: What, <laughs> what could he do? Exactly. Like James, I'm forever in James Wan's debt for this movie for giving me freaking Jason Momoa and
1: comic accurate, Aquaman suit. like, like, like Jason Momoa is, is absolutely perfect. He is great for the role. We talked about not liking Justice League, but he is one of the best cast in the MCU. He's not the best, but he's one of the best. He, he's terrific. He's great. I like what he brings to it. I, I said I, I think this movie's okay, and here's why. You're right. Visually, it's stunning. It's the best looking in the DCEU by far. It's kind of incredible. I did wait to see this until home release again, I kind of regret it because I think it would be better. I don't, this came out the same weekend or or maybe the weekend before Bumblebee did. I saw Bumblebee in theaters instead because my mom same wanted week. to go see it. Same weekend. Okay. Because my mom likes watching the Transformers movies. And I was like, I like going to the movies with mom. So we went and saw Bumblebee instead. Both, both these movies are just okay. Both Bumblebee and... Aquaman. So I don't think I would have made a better a, a better choice by going to see Aquaman. But I just I waited until it was on on digital again and I bought it. But this movie is two movies worth of material and it really shows. Uh, or this movie is a mini series worth of material and it shows. This movie is painfully long. I mean, it is only what two hours and twenty minutes.
0: It it's around that mark.
1: I believe it feels like six hours. The last hour feels like three to me, and I. Look, I talk a lot about how I, how I am I'm totally in support. Movies should be however long they need to be, but pacing is super important. So that's why I think The Dark Knight Rises, if it wanted to be a four-and-a-half-hour movie, can be a four-and-a-half-hour movie because Nolan understands pacing. And I want to see his original cut for that movie, but then I always complain about these movies that feel so long. It's like, I want longer movies, but pacing still has to be right. Like The Godfather 2 is a perfect example. It's a three-and-a-half-hour movie that's so perfectly paced. Avengers Endgame, to me, is really well paced. Aquaman was, the last hour, I I was really just done with the movie by that point. So, that's why I think this is okay.
0: For me, that's what makes this movie, at least for me, the pace works because it's, like I said, it's like a roller coaster. It goes, 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 doesn't slow down, and it it really evokes that adventure feel of Indiana Jones. Again, not saying the movie is perfect, there's some issues with the kid actors and... Um, that whole pitbull africa sequel I, I hate that but the the movie itself it has that like adventure feel and that go 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 of like indiana jones where it's one adventure after another and it worked for me sure
1: uh, i got one more note to say about this movie is that jason momoa and amber heard have zero chemistry they just don't and i know amber heard had a had a lot of like behind the scenes stuff going on during the time of filming maybe that affected it i mean we know that affected ben affleck but i think maybe that affected ben affleck for the better because this is a gruff depressed batman but there's no way we're going to get amber heard back for a sequel right Uh,
0: with the allegations that are being levied out
1: her way and the evidence i don't think so right maybe that's for the better i don't think they have any chemistry
0: i love her character in this mira is a strong. She's a perfect example of a strong female character because not once is she ever really saved by Aquaman. She's not a damsel. Yep. She yep. takes charge and is often more ba than he is. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I, I, I love her character, but this is more of like a okay. I get
1: it. All right. Well, on that note, let's move on to Shazam. I think this movie is also just okay. What do you think?
0: Well, fun fact. This was my second review for Sithpop.com, and as I wrote in that review, I, I plugged this. Uh, I pulled this quote: "To me, this film perfectly balances its tone by injecting the right tones at the right times and never really missing a single beat. It reminds me of one of those like 1990s Amblin films where it blends horror, action, family-friendly." tropes together and it it works seamlessly i think um shazam is hopeful he's optimistic and it's the really this movie's it's the perfect love letter to fans of the dceu and i think zachary levi is perfectly cast in the role however my, my biggest takeaway from the movie is its messaging about family and belonging and throughout the film billy billy batson shazam is looking for where he belongs and I absolutely adore this message, and it really pays off in the third act.
1: Yeah, this is going to be an interesting thing, because I think this movie's okay, and I completely disagree about the tones for this movie. That's why this movie does not excel for me. First, got to say, Zachary Levi is the best cast in the MCU, in the DCU. full stop. He's perfect.
0: You like him better than uh, Henry Cavill?
1: I think I think yes. I think Henry Cavill is good. He's not great. Um, I like Ben Affleck. I'm pretty open about that. I, I think he's good. Not great. Uh, Wonder Woman is the only competition for me. Uh, maybe Jason Momoa as well, but Zachary Levi was born to play Shazam. If you think Henry Cavill, you know I think there's an argument to be made there, but yeah, you, you're like, also a little bit of a superboy, Superman fanboy.
0: I am. I am. I, I I love, regardless of the fact that the only like standalone superhero or Superman film that I like is is Man of Steel. I, I also love BVS, obviously, but like. I don't like the Christopher Reeve versions or anything like that, but I think Henry Cavill as Superman is just perfect casting. Looks like he was ripped out of the comic strip. Uh, I think he embodies everything too, but
1: I, I think like, he's a really I think he's a good choice. He's just there's nothing special about him that's like nobody else could have played this role. Like I like I feel about Hugh Jackman as Wolverine or Robert Downey Jr as Iron Man or Zachary Levi as Shazam.
0: Batman was my guy growing up. I did the reverse. Usually it's Superman, then you, as you get older you're like, oh, Batman. But with me, it was Batman, and then it changed to Superman. But to me, Ben Affleck's Batman, I think, is the best Batman, live-action Batman we've gotten on the screen because he understands the psychology of the character being that Batman, or Bruce Wayne is a mask, Batman is who he is. Um, But Zachary Levi is great as Shazam. I remember when they did the casting, I was like, Zachary Levi? And then I was like,
1: Oh, Chuck! Yes! That's perfect! Yeah, if this <laughs> movie did not have Zachary Levi, I would probably be in the don't like it category. But he, he's so perfect in this. We're, we're talking about Shazam. So um, I, I, we got to talk about the tones. This is two very different tones in this movie. One of them is very much big with superpowers, and I'm 100% here for it. And the other one is very much – it feels like Constantine, but not even lighter. It feels like really dark. Like anything having to do with the Mark Strong character feels – like Constantine, and I want to skip every scene. Um, Mark Strong is stock Mark Strong, and the CGI is decent at best. I love Mark Strong, but he's not doing anything special here. For some reason, I get a lot of Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children vibes in this movie, and that's not a good thing. Uh, And I also get a lot of Iron Fist vibes in this movie, Iron Iron Fist Season 1, and that's also not a good thing. So the, the humor totally works, makes sense. It makes this movie very watchable, and it's enjoyable. It's just... There are two totally different movies going on and they don't blend together to me the same way that it was my problem immediately from seeing the movie. I'm like, I love the kind of witty lightheartedness in this movie. I don't like any of the dark stuff.
0: That's fair. <laughs> I I disagree, but you know, movies are subjective.
1: There you go. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Do you have any other things?
0: No, I, I've kind of spoken my piece. Like I said, I, I really love this movie. I think the, you know, opposite to you i I think the tone is uh and and the switching of it is 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 handled very well um my main gripe with it is mark strong's character is a bit to get used to and the ending goes on a little too long they could have trimmed it back a little bit although i do love the third act i wish they could have trimmed
1: it back a little bit
0: sure um but other than that, no, I I, I really love I really love I really love Shazam. It's a it's a very enjoyable movie.
1: I, I think maybe one last note that I just now thinking of is I, I appreciate how the ending they they introduced the rest of the I don't know what, what you want to call them but Billy Batson's adopted family also gets the Shazam family. family the Shazam family. Yeah, I, man, I did not expect that for the first movie, but right. I love that they did. All right, let's move on to Birds of Prey, our very last movie we're going to talk about. I had a good time. I like this movie a lot. I don't think I quite love it, but I really
0: like this movie. Harkening back to Shazam, I wrote a review for for this uh, on set Pop. I think that's the last review I wrote. Um, This is one of the last movies I saw in theaters before, you know, COVID struck. This was the uh, last
1: one I saw in theaters. Really? Yep.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. Um, I'm quoting this from my review. Overall, minus a wandering middle act that lacked focus and the misleading marketing campaign behind this movie. Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, which is the changed title, excels in almost every other category. It's it's fun, it's violent, it's silly, and and it's over the top uh, delight, full of laughs and 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 great action. And I think if you're a Harley Quinn fan, you shouldn't miss this one. I will say, upon rewatch, that middle act goes very long.
1: Yeah, I'm um, sure I'll have the same reaction. Yeah, I just haven't and, rewatched it yet.
0: Yeah, I mean. I, i'd say give it a rewatch the action scenes are
1: terrific oh yeah yeah i, I love the the action the aesthetic the action is also very humorous this this movie is a delight in a lot of ways uh the yeah. specifically the scene where harley quinn breaks out uh or goes into prison so especially that sequence where she takes the uh the like smoke gun and breaks into the police precinct and i mean sure it's riddled with plot holes or whatever you want to call them cinema sins but Goose. it's it's riddled with stuff like that that's like this makes no logical sense that she would be able to do that a cop would have shot her immediately yeah but it's fun it's it's i had a good time Margo robbie is again just killing it she's she's such a delight it goes to show that it wasn't just the way she's written in suicide squad margot robbie is the perfect harley quinn she's in the conversation for the best cast ever uh in the dceu it's almost like one of
0: those weird Benedict Cumberbatch situations where she's like the perfect fan cast and she just gets casted as it yep. because it's perfect.
1: Yep. The The movie spends way too much time of its focus or focusing on Jared Leto's Joker, especially without him actually showing up. Yeah. Uh, this movie is way... It's very much like The Bourne Legacy where the movie is weighed down by the mention of Jason Bourne, even though the movie is not about Jason Bourne, so... It feels very much like that. Now, the whole squad coming together feels really natural, and it feels like each have their strengths and weaknesses that complement each other's. Birds of Prey is a better Suicide Squad than Suicide Squad, as well as it's a better team up than Justice League, 100%. And the other, the only other note I have is, I love Black Mask, I love Ian McGregor. That said, he's a little bit too over the top. He doesn't really feel like Black, like Black Masks. But let's take this from, it totally fits the movie better than Black Mask typically would. This is also Harley Quinn is an unreliable narrator in this, so this is we're getting her perspective. So maybe that takes into account. Uh, but either yeah. way, I think I think Ewan McGregor is a great cast. I just wish that his character would have been a little less comic booky, but the movie itself is very comic booky. So I, I can't fault him for that.
0: Yeah, like I have a couple things that I, I can add to like Ewan McGregor choose the scenery, but in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. It's not the black mask from the comic book, but it works so well. And I just, I I, I love it. it. I know it's cheesy. I know it's over the top, but I, I really dig it. Yep. Kind of echoing what you were saying. There's so much mention of Jared Leto's Joker in this, and you don't see him. Yep. I feel like if they could have incorporated him in some way, it would have made the movie feel a little bit better because we don't see the breakup really happen.
1: Yeah.
0: And I feel like the movie could have had a little bit more of that.
1: I would have liked to see Joker in this movie.
0: I would have too. And the action, again, going back to that, it's great. I love the action Mm -hmm. in this movie. However, I think the team-up is a, again, this movie should have been called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. This movie was initially titled just Birds of Prey.
1: Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn.
0: Yes. But this movie is a Harley Quinn movie. And then the Birds yep. of Prey come together at the, like, end. It's like the very last 15 minutes of this movie.
1: Yeah, I thought the team-up would have been a lot earlier.
0: I did, too. And that's why I was like, man, it's kind of a mis, you know, misleading marketing campaign. But, oh, well, I can...
1: I mean, you're introduced to them individually early enough that I'm okay yeah. with them calling it Birds of Prey. They just don't actually assemble the Birds of Prey.
0: No. Yeah, that's really my only... But there are some really good laughs, especially with the uh, crossbow killer. <laughs> Yeah. I love that.
1: <laughs> awesome. Uh, anything else to say about Birds of Prey?
0: Nah, man. I'm, I'm all tapped
1: out. Awesome. Well, we did it, man. We talked about the DCEU. Now, before we move on to whatever else we're going to talk about today, I want to do a quick ranking of them. Okay. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'd like to go first uh, since I know you're going to think i a, a lot better. Uh, I'm going to put Batman versus Superman at the very bottom. Uh, but the caveat that that is the theatrical cut. And then I'm going to put Justice League just above that and then Aquaman just above that. Batman versus Superman, Ultimate Cut, above Aquaman. Then we're going Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Shazam, Birds of Prey at number two, and Man of Steel at number one.
0: Wow, Birds of Prey is, is high up there.
1: Well, I mean, like I told you, Shazam and Under, I think these movies are just okay. Uh, no. Because usually I hate the last acts, but like Shazam is just totally whatever. Maybe, maybe I'd switch Wonder Woman and Shazam and put Wonder Woman at number three, but... And Suicide Squad, like I said, is, is not bad. It's not good, but it's watchable. But yeah, I I, I, re, I, like Birds of Prey. There's not a lot of competition here. You know, this is very stark uh, from when two weeks ago, I talked with Austin about ranking Nolan's filmography. Well, his top five are 10 out of 10. So, and and then his, you know, s- uh, six, seven, and eight are nine out of 10.
0: So, yeah, I'm sure like when you're ranking the, cause I've never actually sat down and ranked Nolan films, but I'm sure if you were to do that, yeah, it's hard. Like,
1: yeah, you're going to change. It. Yeah, so uh but you know to me this is this is not hard. Man out of Steel, to me is also like maybe a 7 out of 10. So that's kind of
0: the bar is low. The bar is low.
1: <laughs> yeah. For, to me. And I know you 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 think that probably a lot of these are going to be 10 out of 10. So at least one well, of them.
0: Um probably yeah, two of them at least. Two of them. So I'll go in uh the way that you, the order that you did. So start,
1: I did bottom up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll start at the bottom. So at number 8 I don't include the the theatrical cut of BVS because I I haven't seen it since the theater.
1: I I just did for reference to show how much I hated the theatrical cut.
0: (laughs) So for number eight for me is, is Suicide Squad. Number seven is Justice League. Number six is Birds of Prey. Five is Shazam. Number four, Wonder Woman. Number three, Aquaman. And number two, Man of Steel. And number one, BVS Ultimate Edition. This didn't used to be the case for me. I used to put man of steel as the number one, but just upon several rewatches and and, and my, my movie buddies kind of is my wife. Her and I love to just talk movies and go back and forth and after discussing it with her and everything like that, BBS has really climbed up my list to like the number one spot. And really the tale can be really told by the fact that a number one and two I consider like top tier. Three to five I consider, you know, really good, just not able to break through the glass ceiling for me i aquaman is probably my most rewatched movie uh, i just really like it and then six through eight are movies that i still enjoy but i have a lot of issues with, or not a lot but i have issues with and the issues grow as the order goes down
1: yeah probably if you ask me which one uh would be my kind of background go-to it'd probably be birds of prey the man of steel is a little too serious for that yeah but i feel like i could just casually turn on birds of prey Awesome. Uh, I decided to, to do a, a self B-plot this week, partly because we didn't have any submissions in the past week. So here's a quick plug. If you want to send a submission, something for us to talk to, anything about pop culture, uh, let us know. You can DM me on Twitter or email writersroom at sifpop.com and I'll get that and we'll discuss it on the show. Uh, but what I, what I wanted to ask is what are some comic book issues that you would like to see adapted into a live-action movie or miniseries. I'll start if That's good with you. Yeah. We'll kind of go back and forth. Gosh, the number one thing I would like to see is the Jason Todd storyline. The original Batman Death in the Family slash Under the Red Hood. Uh, I think the animated film for this one is my favorite animated comic book movie of all time. I think it's just terrific. Uh, I love the Jason Todd arc. Uh, I love what they did with that character i love the red hood character itself Uh, i want to see that there has been that animated movie as well as they're releasing another animated interactive coming out in september and i'm really interested in that but i want to see it in live action form
0: yeah that that's a great option that's actually spoiler alert that's on my list too (laughs) sweet i i love the jason todd character i i love that story I like everything they did with it. That animated movie, kind of echoing what you're saying, what you were saying, is fantastic. I think that's probably outside of uh, Batman the animated series and uh, Mask of the Phantasm is like my favorite.
1: I do put this above mask, mask of the Phantasm, but that's because I don't have the nostalgia growing up with that. Yeah. So, uh, so give another one on your list, then.
0: I have several. So Death in the Family, Under the Red Hood, I have Injustice
1: yes that almost made my list what do
0: you what do you think of the comic book arc of injustice i just i'm curious to to, for your thoughts on that
1: it's brilliant it's unique it's original it's thought-provoking it's everything that i want to see so super quick synopsis joker uses scarecrow's fear gas to trick superman into killing lois lane a pregnant lois lane yeah and superman goes off the rails and becomes a dictator and so you have batman kind of as a resistance leader, an underground resistance leader. And there's also, like, a, a Batman from this universe goes in, goes to the, into Earth 2, this other, the Injustice Earth, right? It's not Earth 2, it's Earth whatever, but this Injustice Earth. Uh, and so he's kind of, le- you get all this from his perspective, and he meets up with another Batman. And, but you see in that universe, Hal Jordan is now Yellow Lantern, and he's with Superman, and Wonder Woman is on Superman's team, and they're, like, leading this dictatorship Lex Luthor is a good guy, and he has his Lex Luthor super suit, and uh, uh, Sinestro is also a good guy. I think Sinestro is on the I believe so. you know, resistance side. Yeah. So, so it's just really interesting to see characters that have always been good be bad, characters that have always been bad good. It's, it's thought-provoking. It's very much thematically with the killing joke of Joker just learns how to break Superman. Way
0: to go. We almost got a live action. It's sort of like how in the MCU we got Civil War, but it's a different take on Civil War. We almost kind of got this with the Snyderverse. With the nightmare sequences and stuff like that, yep. um, kind of evoking that same thing. But I would really like a more faithful. I'm not saying, I, obviously, I love that what we're getting Snyderverse, but I would like a more faithful adaptation of Injustice because, like you're saying, it's a very thought provoking series, and it's you know what happens to Superman, it's heartbreaking, and that one shot in the comic will always be. Ingrained in my psyche, and that is of Superman just punching through Joker as he's
1: yeah. You see, you see his bloody hand through on the other side of Joker. Yeah, that's a great shot.
0: (laughs) It's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. The art and injustice is really good too. And there's two video games based off of that. The video games do kind of just throw you in the middle of a story though. Yeah, it's really good. Awesome pick. I don't think I put this on my list primarily because I wanted to limit it to five, and I think that would be a a really hard one to pull off. That would make a perfect animated movie that they should consider doing. The budget would be astronomical. There's so many characters in Injustice that you can't just put it out to the live action audience and expect, you know, without having seen much Lex Luthor or much Green Lantern at all. Definitely not in this universe. Uh, Raven has a pretty big part in it. And in the second one, there's also the the Blue Beetle has a really big part in it, too. Just a lot of characters. You would have to introduce so many characters. It would feel really jarring.
0: Hey, they did it with Endgame. They can do it with this. <laughs>
1: but we already had history with a lot of those characters. Yeah, so if they built up to the, it, they could. Injustice would be the equivalent uh, equivalent of Infinity War. You would have to. Yeah. you would have to build up to it. Yeah. But man, if they ever pulled that off, I might I might switch to DC fanboy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about Batman Hush. Uh, this is a really amazing uh, graphic novel. It's a really really great storyline. It's been uh, not even mentioned in any of the live-action Batman movies. Uh, They did just release an animated Batman Hush movie that takes a lot of their liberties with the comics. I want to see a faithful to the comics adaptation. He is also a side quest in the Batman Arkham video games. Hush is a great story. I don't want to spoil anything for you. I would really recommend just get your hands on the graphic novel and read it. The art is also brilliant. It's a really unique Batman story and I feel like I I love the Joker. I don't know that I want to see more Joker. I don't. I don't know that I need to see more Catwoman. I think I'm good with Bane for a while. You know, I, show me Hush. Show me. Show me a character like that. I haven't seen.
0: Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'll have to read the graphic. It's been on my bucket list. One that it's I so have to read, but I, I. I really, really want. All
1: right, uh, one from you. This one's been done before, but
0: X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> the reason I say X Men Apocalypse is because the the film adaptation. There's things I like in it. There's also a ton of stuff I don't like in it. I would be more happy with a more faithful to the source material version, at least faithful in the spirit to the to the source material. Really, culminating with Magneto versus Apocalypse and a epic showdown, because Magneto is one of the greatest comic book characters ever written. And if you don't believe me, read this gra- read this arc. It's absolutely incredible and uh, apocalypse is one of my my favorite x-men villains uh x-men comics in fact might be one of my favorite comic book runs i just really love those characters
1: sure okay onward i i think this one is very doable with the way the dceu is currently set up but i would like to see justice league doom there was an animated movie based off of this one recently this is this is set up perfectly in the way that uh snyder's justice league ends Batman is so paranoid that he keeps files on how to uh, to kill any of the members of the Justice League, similar to the way he wants to kill Superman. Uh, so he keeps files on them, and including himself, and the Legion of Doom get access to those files and set up almost every character to, to die in the beginning. Uh, they don't actually, because Batman also has a continuously plan. But it's it's a fascinating story. It's 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 glimpses of what i see in batman versus superman and it's glimpses of what i see in just we already know that bruce wayne is building a profile i'm sure he has contingency plans since he had a contingency plan on how to kill superman if you haven't check out the animated movie
0: yeah i'll i'll echo like what you're saying i i've seen the animated version it's actually it's really good again it's i'm not always the biggest fan of the an- animated stuff but this is one of them that if you're a fan of the characters, I highly recommend it. It's it's really, really good. And I would I would be a fan of seeing a live action adaptation of it. All right, one more from you. Or one one from you. I got two more. I have two more as well. Next one I have is Batman Arkham Asylum.
1: Okay. Uh the comic book or the video game?
0: The video game. This was kind of like my dream project for seeing the Batfleck tackle, where all these villains that he's over the years locked up. That he's having to face them all in a kind of, talked about it earlier, dread or the raid type scenario where he's having to rely on his detective skills and his hand-to-hand combat to really survive the onslaught of all these villains coming after him. While also being a very good character video game. That's probably my favorite video game ever is Batman Arkham Asylum. So I, I would really, really love to see this be adapted on the big screen. I don't know if we'll ever get it, but you know, I would I would love to see something similar.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that because I also had that listed. I this is not my favorite video game ever, but this is my favorite video game series ever. And I would go with the miniseries route because there's so much to unpack in these stories. And the villain you you do see Batman facing a lot of these villains, but it's it's not teaming up together. It's not like Joker Penguin Riddler and all that got together in a room and was like, let's form the Legion of Doom. Uh it's Joker has taken over the first one's Joker has taken over Arkham Asylum, but not like Penguin is part of the master plan, but Batman also needs this stop in I would go the mini series route though, because there's too much to unpack. So I would do like you know a mini series arc on asylum and then the next year or two release like a like a s five part. Let's say a five part for each for each video game. Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight. Heck, even give me one for Arkham Origins. I could get behind that. Awesome. Uh and one more.
0: Um I'm gonna go with Silver Surfer Judgment Day. Okay.
1: This Um, is new to me.
0: Yes. So Silver Surfer is a character that we've only seen in live action one time on the big screen. And that was with Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Not a good movie. I would really prefer to see Silver Surfer be taken under the wing of like a Kevin Feige and given a proper treatment to the big screen. And and Judgment Day is one of the better adaptations from um, Stan Lee himself. And sure. it is a incredibly beautiful graphic novel, and the character of Silver Surfer is someone who is haunted. And I I really like characters that are broken. And I just I it's, it's a great graphic novel. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who has not read it yet, um, but it, it is one of my favorite adaptations. And I, I highly recommend you guys check it out. And you too, Aaron. It's 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 a, a, outstanding.
1: I don't I don't have much history with Fantastic Four, so maybe that would be a good. End. Yeah. Uh, I got one more, and I saved this one for last because I think it's probably already in the works, but I would like to see Marvel Secret evasion. It's where the the scrolls invade a lot of the Marvel characters that we know and love. and so there's kind of a, your reveals of certain characters that we've already that we've known for a long time that are actually scrolls, not the characters that we've known. Uh, it's pretty obvious they're setting that up with the ending, the post credit scene of Spider Man Far From Home, as well as just the introduction of the Scrolls. Uh, and it's really interesting seeing the Scrolls as good guys, though, because Scrolls are typically not good guys, which makes me wonder also are the Scrolls going to turn into the villains uh, at some point? Captain Marvel set them up to be an almost extinct species, and we should feel sympathy and empathy for them. And maybe that was just a, a certain point, or maybe it was a tactic then. them. I, I do think this is going to be the next probably big Avengers movie, my speculation. It just it seems where they're going. I'd agree. I think it's where they're going, so that's why I kind of made it as last. Uh, I don't think, I mean, maybe Justice League Doom is where they're going, but I, I don't think they're working towards any of those other storylines.
0: No, I, th- I think you're right. Most of these storylines probably won't. Say. I know they'll probably somewhere down the road do X-Men Apocalypse Marvel will. Um, I will be surprised if
1: they don't do Silver Surfer soon.
0: Yeah, he's a great character, man. I I love that character. And um, who's the director of Vice? Adam McKay. Yeah, he has hinted at wanting to do Silver Surfer.
1: So, you know, who knows? He just signed on to do a movie about the handling of the coronavirus pandemic, which is like, it's not even over, man.
0: Yeah, it's not over yet, man. Give us a break from that. I don't want to say anything about that.
1: <laughs> right? It's like when they released 13 Hours. Yeah.
0: On what, what you were saying on Secret Wars, Marvel has brilliantly played out their in their their cinematic universe. They have such a consistent track record, where whether it's good to great, they have such a track record. And I trust them with what they're going to do in the future. I trust Kevin Feige. And I think you're right. Secret Wars is going to be probably the next direction. And even on top of that, they're going to play around with some of the scrolls probably being good guys and some of them being bad guys. Yep. And that's going to add to, to some confusion, which adds layers to the story. And it's, I think again, Marvel geniuses when it comes to planning out stuff. So I can't wait for that. We'll we'll see what happens.
1: All right. Well, uh, we got one more part before we wrap up, and that is going to be the spinoff. So Ben, what is the one thing in pop culture you want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid?
0: I, I am a positive guy, so I'll tell you to watch something that I have waited way too long to watch. I've recently, this past October, on my Instagram, I went back and I in October I did this whole series where I would had people write in to me and say, hey, which horror film do you want me to write a blurb on? Because I used to love horror films, but I fell out of love with them. Well, this past October, I fell back in love with them. And one of the reasons I fell back in love with them is because of Dr. Sleep, which was my fifth favorite film of last year.
1: Yeah, man.
0: The same guy directed a series on Netflix called Haunting on Hill House. Mm-hmm. I am so late to that party, and I am so sad that I am. It is an incredible series, it's very in depth. It's very haunting, it's scary, but it's also very emotional, and it comes from a very human place. And I think that that's what makes horror great, is when it comes from a very human place. And something like uh, Haunting on Hill House, the ending, where the first episode had my skin crawling the way that it ended, the last episode had me in just, I, I was in tears watching it. It's so beautiful. I'm blanking on the director's name Mike Flanagan Uh, Mike Flanagan yes that guy is awesome hand him all the horror stuff because he knows horror and again he comes from a character a place of character and I think that's what makes it strong
1: yeah man uh, I put it on my Netflix queue initially and then I took it off at some point because I'm just not a big horror fan but because of your recommendation I did put it on seeing you tweet about it I put it back on I will watch it eventually and I'm a big fan of Dr. Sleep too I think it was my like seventh or eighth favorite movie of last year so Great movie. um yeah i'm there uh, i am a positive guy but i'm going to tell you to stay the crap away from a movie <laughs> um, it's called the aristocrats it's a documentary i've been watching a lot of documentaries i was really struggling with something to find for the spinoff actually because i've been watching a lot of tv and because next week is the tv catch-up i'm just going to save it all for there i've got some stuff to unload on you guys the next episode but uh, it's, a, it's a it's an hour and a half documentary the documentary subject is 100 superstar comedians tell the very the same very, very dirty, filthy joke one shared privately by comics since Vaudeville. Came out in 2005. It's kind of led by Penn & Teller. This has some of the biggest names in con- comedy ever, especially, you know, talking 2005. So George Carlin, Don Rickles, Chris Rock, Jason Alexander, H- Hank Azaria, Louis Black, Drew Carey, Mark Cohen, Carrot Top, Billy Connolly, Andy Dick, Susie Essman, Carrie Fisher, even Todd Glass, Judy Gold, Whoopi Goldberg, Gilbert Godfrey. There's so many. Eric Idle of Monty Python. There's so many really funny, really recognizable names and faces, especially from the old school comedy area. Uh, Richard Lewis, Le- Lisa Lampanelli, Bill Maher, Howie Mendel. Here's my problem with this movie. It is an hour and a half of hearing the comedians tell the most disgusting, vile things that you've ever heard in your entire life. And that's the joke. Uh, the joke is, it's always a setup of... Somebody wants to pitch this idea of of somebody who runs a theater, and they say, "Oh well, what's your show about?" And they the, each comedian gets to improv the most dirty, filthy things they always talk about, but ninety percent of these involve incest or bestiality or statutory rape or things like that, stuff that's so incredibly uncomfortable, and that's the point of the joke, uh, because then they say, "Well, oh, what's the name of this act?" The, the Aristocrats, and that's the punchline. It's not a funny joke, and it's. It's so uncomfortable to watch, especially here in 2020. I have no idea how this got made, produced and made. I have no idea why this has become such a popular joke over and over again. It's it, it's hearing some of these comedians tell the most disgusting, vile things you've ever heard in your entire life. It's so uncomfortable. I'm kind of surprised that a lot of this hasn't come back to some of the comedians. I mean, I watch America's Got Talent and seeing Howie Mandel, and you know, especially on Dear Linodeal, my experience with him has been a pretty clean guy, but hearing him drop the C word... And talk about incest and bestiality, things like that. I'm just like, how if this came out today, this would be cancel culture propaganda.
0: <laughs> and like <laughs> So it's it's really just the lowest bar of humor, which is shock humor?
1: Yes. It, that's exactly what it is. And it's really interesting to see like different comedians pulling different perspectives and things like that. There are some of these jokes I really like, specifically the ones that the female comics say are really good because they're usually a little different. There's a, they're a little interesting. It, this documentary is literally nonstop talking about and comedian different comedians saying this joke. And some of them, especially the ones by the females, made me laugh. But for the most part, it just made me uncomfortable. And it's so hard to watch. And I just felt grossed out and icky. And I have so much respect for George Carlin. And rest in peace. But it, it made me not want to... <laughs> to check out any more of his stuff uh it it gives me a sour feeling when i think of Howie mandel now it's it's so gross it's so vile it's so i i heard chris talk about this movie on the sincast which is why i checked out it's it's interesting for sure but what the crap
0: i'm not really necessarily the biggest fan of of shock humor or anything like that it's not really my bag then you would Um, hate this yeah it's not that like uh, obviously sometimes shock humor definitely has its place, but i i'm I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the way because I think you don't really have to be creative to do shock humor
1: yeah I don't know oh this a lot of this stuff is just it's hard to watch. Yeah. I really wanted to shut it off three minutes in, and if I could go back, I would have
0: well, I will not watch it thank
1: yep. you. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> well, on that note, that's a wrap. A uh, quick reminder: that Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studio studioDNA.media or searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed. If you're interested in writing for sippop.com or if you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a few questions to explore during the deep out, and then email us at writersroom@sippop.com or get in contact with me on Twitter or even Ben on Twitter if you want to write for Sip Pop. Uh, if you want to support the show, help out with some costs we pay for out of pockets, as fees, equipment, and rentals. You can Venmo me at Schweitcastle or email me for my PayPal address. But last thing we do, Ben, where can people find you? Where can people continue this conversation?
0: You can find me at Ben Davis Movie Podcast on Instagram, um, on Twitter, which I, I'm not as active. You can find me at John underscore Benjamin underscore. You can also uh, listen to my podcast at uh, Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I'm available to listen to on any platform that is available
1: you know it's been a really good good time but you know i love talking comics books with comic books with you and i love talking comic books with you because i think sometimes we disagree and it makes for lively conversation so absolutely next month we're talking about the king's men since that was when the king's man is supposed to come out i don't think that's been pushed back yet it probably will be if it hasn't already but you know we'll still be talking about Kingsman one and two next week uh but until then it's back to the writers. <laughs>